Hello, good morning church family. It is great to be back with you this morning after I've had uh, a few weeks off. As some of you may know, I've um, actually got married in the last few weeks and also just had a lovely break. So I'm feeling very relaxed, refreshed uh, and, and ready to go and just really been reflecting recently on how thankful I am to God for all his blessings, but also for this amazing church family. So thank you so much just for all your support, your encouragement, your gifts, your wishes. Um, I, me and Anne Stan are both feeling so blessed, so just a, a massive thank you. Uh, and as I've come back, I've really been feeling my heart being stirred afresh uh, as we begin to look towards a new season. With, with lockdown easing uh, on the horizon, hopes of us being able to meet together soon. You know, for me, there's hopes and dreams stirring of what is it that God's going to do in and through our little church in the coming season. Now I'd love to invite you to continue to pray with us that God would show us what our next steps are as a church, especially in terms of meeting place, of venue, and I just have a sense that God has something for us. He's got something up his sleeve for us as a church, and I just want to invite you to join me in just praying and asking God to reveal what that is uh, as we, as a leadership team, just look into that in the next wee while. However, today we are going to open God's Word together and we are concluding our series that we've been doing through the book of Nehemiah, which we've called Building to Last. And you know, for me, this has been a really significant series. I feel like it stirred my heart and made me ask some big questions of God. You know, God, what is it that you're calling me or, or, or what is it that you're calling us as a church to build here in Stirling? God, what's your plan? What's your process? What are you saying? What are you doing? And how can we partner with you in order to do it? It's been quite a journey as we've unpacked this story together. We've looked at the importance of prayer, of planning, of pioneering, of persevering in the face of opposition. We've looked at God's heart for the poor. And a few weeks ago, we looked at the, the completion, the supernatural completion of the project. You know, the dream in this story becoming a reality in the face of what appeared to be insurmountable odds. You know, Ali spoke about the God of the 52 days and, and I loved that challenge that he kind of laid out. You know, what if the dreams on our hearts were only 52 days away? God is big, he is powerful and he is interested in rebuilding cities. He's interested in building to last. And so today we're concluding our series and we're going to look around a final theme of praise, of the, the importance of praise and the power of praise. So we're in Nehemiah chapter 8 and we're going to start reading from 1 down to verse 12. So why don't you grab your Bible and you can read along with me. There's a few tough names here, so give me a bit of grace. <laughs> okay, let's go. All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mathathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah and Masiah. And on his left were Padiah, Mashael, Mel... Malkijah, Hashem, Hashpadana, Zachariah, and Meshulam. 
Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And he opened it. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodai, Masai, Kelita, Azariah, Joshbad, Hanan and Peleah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people who had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks and send, send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Amen. So here we are suddenly introduced to a new main character in the book of Nehemiah. It's Ezra. Although if you've read through the Bible or if you've read through the Old Testament in in chronological order, you're probably familiar with the character of Ezra. Ezra is the book before Nehemiah, but actually, actually, in fact, these books were written in a way where they were supposed to be read in parallel with each other. Ezra was a priest of God who also arrives in Jerusalem on a mission and to play his part in the rebuilding. Ezra wants to bring about spiritual renewal to the people through teaching the Torah and the word of God and focusing on rebuilding the community in that sense. He comes after the rebuilding of the altar of God and of God's temple. And alongside Ezra, Nehemiah's call was also to rebuild the city. For Nehemiah, it was the walls, the structure, uh, social and political reforms, um, and also accepting the office of governor in the city as a result of his work. And I think what we see in these two leaders is a more full picture of the heart of God for his people. Yes, God's heart to see spiritual transformation, but the kind of transformation that affects the structure of a city, you know, about security, justice, protection, purpose uh, and community. We see through Nehemiah how obedience to God's call to go and how faithful stewardship leads him to receiving a place of great influence in the city. To truly understand the kingdom of God is to understand that God is interested in more than just salvation, although he is interested in salvation, but also how we outwork our salvation, how we outwork our calling to bring transformation to people, to other people in our cities and even to nations. But what we see here in the Old Testament is only a partial picture, a broken but extremely prophetic example of a picture of the future city of God. This book and these stories are supposed to point us towards the future coming kingdom of God. But as we get back into the story, the people here have witnessed a miracle. They've witnessed their broken city being rebuilt. After years in exile, they finally have a place to call home. 
And so what is their reaction to this gift, to this amazing miracle? We see here how it's to praise. The people call Ezra. You know, it starts by saying all the people assembled. A whole city gathers at this water gate and they call on Ezra to come and to teach the word of God. Finally, the people, God's people, are hungry for him again. They've seen his faithfulness. They've tasted his goodness for themselves rather than simply living off the story of their ancestors. What a picture of a mini revival breaking out in Jerusalem. People that have encountered God for themselves and as a result they gather to praise and to cry out for more. As I read this I was reminded of Psalm 34 8 that says taste and see that the Lord is good. And one of the truths of the kingdom of God is that the more we taste of him, the more we encounter him, the more we experience his goodness and faithfulness, the more we want to know him. The people here are hungry for God and they make a choice. They choose to gather and to praise, to praise God for who he is and what he's done. It says here that Ezra read from daybreak until noon. And it also says that the people listened attentively. Daybreak till noon is a long time. I mean, can you imagine listening to a six-hour sermon? I'm not sure I can. (laughs) But the people were attentive to God's word. They were so hungry to know more about him. And after years in exile, the people of God can finally meet together to worship their God, to know more about their God. I actually feel in some ways that I can relate to the people in this story. I can't wait till we get together again as a community, till we get together again as a church family and worship together and praise God together because there's something so powerful, isn't there, about corporate worship, uh, about gathering with a group of like-minded people, praying and seeking God, reading the Bible, inviting the Holy Spirit to come. And I can only imagine that for Ezra in this moment, this is a dream come true for him. He came to Jerusalem with a heart to see God's people worshipping him again. That's what he came for. That's what he's been working for. And it says in verse 6, how Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Ezra leads the people to praise and Nehemiah stands with him to mark the day of great significance. Ezra, the priest who desired spiritual reformation. And then we see how Nehemiah, uh, now the governor, working towards political and social reform as well as rebuilding the city, how he stands with Ezra. Both these men have hearts for the people and the city to be restored to God. And in this moment, they get to witness it. Something powerful is happening. The people of God begin to wail and moan and as they bow with their faces to the ground, they have a new reverence for God. As Ezra teaches the law, the Levites and the priests explain it in a way the people can understand and as a result, they realise how far they are from God. And we see this moment of almost like corporate repentance uh, as the Spirit of God moves through Ezra's teaching uh, through the, the, in response to the hunger of God's people. Their praise draws them into his presence. Their choice to gather and to praise takes them to a meeting place with God. 
And as they weep and as they mourn, Ezra understands that it's not God's heart to leave the people filled with shame or sorrow, but instead he wants to fill them with joy as they rediscover their relationship with their creator. Their hunger leads to repentance, which then leads to joy and praise as the people celebrate the work of restoration. The restoration of the altar of God, the restoration of the temple of God, the restoration of the city of God, but, all, but more than that, it's the restoration of their connection with God. The people had witnessed the work of God and their response is praise. And as a result of that praise, it leads them to a place of repentance and restoration with their God. You know, the name of this series is Building to Last. But the truth is that although this was a moment of great significance in the people of Israel's story, sadly it didn't last. And in the Old Testament and under the Old Covenant relationship, it, these, the people were still dependent on holiness and obedience to God. And left to their own devices, as we kind of read on in the book, we see that the people couldn't live up to that high holy standard. And as we continue to read the rest of the book, we see how the people once again let God down. So although God's people are back in the land, their spiritual state remains unchanged. And while Ezra and Nehemiah do their best, the political and social reforms don't address the core issue, which is the state of man's heart. And really what this book is pointing out, like so much of the Old Testament, is the need for God's people uh, to have a holistic transformation of our hearts. You know, if we're going to fully love and obey God, we need to see our hearts transformed. Uh, and so in a sense, this book finishes on a little bit of a downer. But the reality is that actually this is a book that points us towards God's heart to bring lasting restoration to his people through his Messiah, through his promised Messiah, through his son, Jesus. And for us, we get to be see part of the bigger story. You know, more than that, actually, we get to be part of the bigger story. See, we, as God's people, uh, thousands of years down the line, also look to build in our city, as we look to build the kingdom of God, as we look to see spiritual reformation, political, social transformation, salvation, we have something that Nehemiah and the people didn't. Jesus. God's promised Messiah. See, we live on the other side of the cross and under a new covenant with God. Only last week we celebrated Easter. We celebrated Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and him once and for all dealing with the condition of man's heart. That now we can receive that true heart transformation that comes through accepting the finished work of the cross. We have access to the power of God through his Holy Spirit living in us. We can receive forgiveness for all our sins and our mistakes and our muck-ups. You know, we get to hear the voice of God for ourselves, leading and guiding us in our lives as we receive uh, his Holy Spirit to come and live in us. We have access to the supernatural gifts of God. We're fully equipped as we praise and seek to partner with God. Because of Jesus, because of the work of the cross. You know, I love the quote that Ali shared a few weeks ago when he spoke on Nehemiah and he shared from, well, from what Mike Pilavachi said, and I'm paraphrasing, um, but I think he said, if all you talk about is revival, you'll end up disappointed. But if all you talk about is Jesus, you'll end up with revival. 
You know, if we want to build to last, we need to build our lives on Jesus. The book of Nehemiah is a prophetic picture of how God wants to rebuild cities. And in a sense, the the true and perfect city of God will never be fully rebuilt until uh, or experienced until we go to heaven. But Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And he's equipped us through the cross to make it happen. He's commissioned us to go. He's sending us, much like God sent Nehemiah, he's sending us with a mission and a purpose to build his kingdom. The people in the book of Nehemiah built under the old covenant, but God is asking us to build under his new covenant, a covenant where sin has been dealt with, where we're equipped and empowered through the forgiveness of the cross and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We spoke a lot this series about the fact that we all have a part to play. And as we choose to praise him, as we come into his presence, we receive from him. We receive more of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts to transform us and to equip us. But not in a temporary way uh, like we see in Nehemiah, but rather in a permanent heart transformation uh, kind of way that means that we get to live in God's presence if we choose to. We don't just have to come and go, but we get to live there. We get to live our lives in a place of permanent connection with God. He loves us. He loves you. He created you. He has a purpose for you. And as we receive Jesus and as we seek God, he'll reveal more of of what that is in our lives. He wants to commission us to be builders in his kingdom, to build to last. And so let's learn from the principles of this book. Let's pray, let's plan, let's pioneer, let's do new things, let's persevere and let's praise God for every finished work, every victory, every miracle, every salvation along the way. Let's join with him in celebrating the wins. Every bit of heaven that we see breaking out in our world or our city as we partner with him, we want to celebrate that. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus and partner with him with what he wants to do here in Stirling. Let's build to last and let's allow God to use us to do it. Let's pray together. (laughs) Thank you, God. Just come. Thank you, God. God, I want to thank you for this series that has stirred our hearts. It stirred my heart, Lord, and and just made me hungry to to see you work in our city. God, we're, we're so aware of so much brokenness in our city. And God, I know that your heart is to bring transformation. It is to rebuild, is to is to for people to encounter your love. Lord, we pray that you would come here in Stirling. We pray for more of your Holy Spirit here in Stirling. Lord, would you equip your church to build your kingdom here in Stirling? God, would you help us to partner with you in all that you want to do? God, give us ears to hear as we seek you, as we pray, as we plan, as we pioneer. Lord, help us be open to the strategies of heaven for what you want to do in this city. Continue to stir hearts. 
Lord, as we finish this series, I just pray that your spirit would go uh, beyond, that your spirit would be continuing to speak to us in our quiet times, in our, in our times of encounter with you, Lord, would you be dropping things into our hearts and our minds. Thank you, Lord. Lord, would you equip us with all that we need? Help us obey you. Help us follow you. You know, I just feel this morning that there's some people here who are people who are watching who have maybe had an encounter with Jesus in the past. And but things have gone cold. And actually, you're hungry for another encounter with him. And I just feel he wants to come and, and just meet with you this morning. And so if that's you, why don't you just put out your hands or just close your eyes, just still your heart. And I'd love to just pray over you this morning. Yes, Lord. God, I just thank you for hungry hearts. Lord, I thank you for people hungry to meet with you this morning. Father, just as the people in our story that we looked at today made a choice to gather and pursue you, Lord, I just bless hearts that are choosing to pursue you this morning. Lord, as we praise you, as we worship you, would you draw near? Father, where hearts have grown cold, would you come and breathe new life, a new joy, a new joy to come? Lord, for anyone who's struggling with sadness, with feelings of mourning, with shame, God, would you come and replace that with joy uh, and celebration this morning? Thank you that you meet us where we're at. I pray for a new joy. I pray for the joy of the Lord to be our strength, whatever we're going through this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God, as we finish this series, would you teach us, would you equip us, would you help us to build to last, to see your kingdom come and your will be done here in Stirling. Amen. <laughs>